Still not sponsored by Duncan. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that? That was what I call, what we in the business call, an introduction. <laughs> that was the um, new morning show theme uh, featuring the sultry sounds of uh, Jeffrey Martin Smith <laughs> and some, uh, some great royalty-free music. So this is the uh, new, new and improved version of Friday Live. It's called the Woodworking Morning Show, and uh, it's pretty much the same thing, just with a different title mm -hmm. for the most part. I'm Nicole. Oh, yeah, I'm Mark. That's Nicole. Hey, look, it's going to take a while for me to get a new, a new groove. Brandon Olson, well, that was pleasant. Right? I mean, that's, we want something to gear you up, get you all, yeah. all ready. You notice we had the Patreon people listed on that, that cover page. We'll also thank some of those folks mm -hmm. on, uh, that helped us out on Patreon. Marcus Brown, Morgan Uland, Jeff Berry, Alfred Chu, Brian Yablonski, Frankie DeSantis, Jacob, and Matthew Lee, or Matthew Lay. And you know what those people get to do after we're done with this show? Uh, go home. No, they get to go to the after show. What? We I should have done a spit take. Yeah. I always miss that opportunity. What? <laughs> um, yeah, there's an after show now. So we, we, as part of this whole change to Friday Live becoming Kyle, the show. Kyle, you lit a fire under us. Yeah, we really, the last week we were like, okay, it's time. It's time. The, 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 the whole Friday Live thing was always an extension of the Wood Whisperer. When we always kind of assumed people would just, they would never find Friday Live, they would right. find the Wood Whisperer, and then, and then maybe find this other little thing that we do. Um, but it's kind of become its own crazy animal. It's gonna, it's stuck after five years. Yeah, we're, we're stuck. We're like, well, I guess we're doing we're this. We're stuck with it now. Uh, <laughs> but we wanted to make the show e more easily searchable. If people are looking in a podcast app, we want the title to say what the show is. We don't want them to expect it to be nothing but an hour of woodworking demos, right? right, right. It's Q&A, it's lighthearted woodworking talk, and it's kind of like a couple's podcast in a yeah, way. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and we want people to, we want the title to invoke that. Uh, a lot of people are like, missed opportunity, you didn't call it morning wood. And I'm like, look, some jokes are just too obvious, right? That's, <laughs> there's nothing clever about that. I think when we started the whole woodworking yeah. podcast thing, one of the first things that came out of our mouth was, Oh, if there was like a morning show, you could call it Morning Wood. And we're yeah. like, it's so funny. It's <laughs> well, like, and it's been done before. It's so been done before. It's okay. So we want a, you know, a title that really says what we're about. So we should have just called it like Franks and Beans. Franks, <laughs> <laughs> Franks and Beans in the morning. I'll, well, I'll, I'll be Franks and you'll be Beans. And, and I mean, it's a global show. So a lot of you, it's not the morning. It's it might be the afternoon the or it might be... Very late yeah, for, uh, for Ness. For Ness. And uh, everybody in the... Well, not everybody. A few people in the chat room have made compliments that they like my purple shirt. Mm, it's very purple. It's Duluth. Oh, what very nice. <laughs> Good for you. Okay, so let's very quickly, we don't want to dwell on this mm. too long. Can you... Summarize some of the changes ah, yes. for the patrons because yes. we did refresh all of the Patreon rewards. By the way, that's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer if you want to get involved in these rewards. There's some really good ones. I think the most significant change mm -hmm. is anybody who becomes a patron at the $2 level, that's our lowest level, $2 or higher, you get access to the after show. Yep, and I'll put a link in uh, the chat. So uh, it's actually within Patreon that you'll be able to, to watch that. Yeah. And it's going to be... All the other conversations that we have that annoy people. Yeah, and it might touch <laughs> on woodworking. It might touch on woodworking, but it yeah. also will very likely venture into all the other things that we do. It's a little more off topic than the, the regular show, which also means some of the off topic stuff that some people didn't want mm. in the main show, right. that makes its way into the after show. Exactly. So hopefully it's a win win for people. So the, the big one, I, I forgot to tell you, um, we have uh, at 
I can't remember which level it is, but you're doing critiques. Oh, geez. Of so if you have a project that you're that you have built, or if your shop usually happens where they say, could you take a look at this and give me your thoughts? Yeah. How, so how can I make want, my shop a little more efficient? If you want this guy's opinion, we actually have a level where we can do that. And we can do it on the show, or he can do it privately through an email to you. And let's, um, let's clarify that. I am not a design no. expert, <laughs> whether it's a shop or a project. This is like coming to, you got a next door neighbor who, you, who maybe knows a couple more things than you do. Uh, or maybe knows something about woodworking and has an opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm there to give you an opinion. That does not mean I'm selling myself as some sort of qualified, you know, woodworking design extraordinaire. Um, it's just me giving you some friendly advice if I see something obvious. And we also have opportunities for plugs on the show. So if you have a website, if you're, you know, a YouTuber and you want us to give you a shout out, there's oh, a level for that. Sure about that? That's what I did. Are you sure about I that? Wanted to, I wanted to give people opportunities <laughs> no, 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 to get some fine. exposure. It's all good. Um, and else? then, of course, a personal, if you want a personal greeting from me and Mark, uh, we have that level too. Yep. So, and there's other stuff. You can go on to Patreon. You, we don't need to spend time on this. Okay, well, last thing also, if you want to ask a question and maybe text is not your thing. Maybe you want to use your voice. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're going to be bringing voicemails into the show that we what? can play live on the show. Um, so just use your phone, uh, whatever device you have. There's always some sort of audio recording app on there. Uh, record an MP3, and you could send that to twmorningshow at gmail.com, and we could play your voicemail on the show. Okay? Oh, we can hear your voice. Yeah, baby. All right, so very quickly, we do have lots of questions to get to. I do want to make a clarification about a topic we talked about last week. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. the whole introvert thing. <clears throat> I got a few emails about it, and one thing I'm really uh, concerned about is people may walk away from that conversation thinking that they shouldn't approach me. Yeah. When no. I, like, oh, I don't want to bother you. He, he's, he's clearly stressed out by these events. I'm not going to go talk to him. That is the exact opposite of what I want. When I'm there, I'm fully invested. Really, the stress for me happens days before I have to leave the house. That's when I get stressed out. But when I'm there and I'm like the sole purpose of me being there is to interact with other people, please never, ever hesitate mm -hmm. to come over and say hi. In fact, I'd probably welcome the distraction like, come on. from just kind of meandering around, right? So do not ever hesitate to come up to me. Uh, my confession about my uh, introversion is, <laughs> is just simply letting you know my mindset and what it takes for me to get geared up for these things. But once I'm there, I'm fine. It's not like, hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm going to be like, eee. No. <laughs> you know, I'd like to do that, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, Laura says that your new glasses make you look like Calvin, Calvin's dad and Calvin and I've <clears throat> had people say that even with the old glasses. <laughs> All right. Actually, just, Mateo looks a little bit like Calvin, so. We just got a super chat in hey. from... Halloween costume oh. next year. Make Mateo Calvin, and I'll be his dad. Ava could be the little tiger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael uh, Frust says, Joe on me in your cup. Oh, well, oh, thank, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Uh, so since this is a morning show, it only makes sense for us to have a morning weather report. Oh, yeah, we do have a weather report. All right, so we? hold on, let's see. I think I think we've got, Matt, you there? You there? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's... uh. It's pretty cold here in Minnesota today. All right, as always, <laughs> as always, the ever-informative Matt Cremona with the on-the-ground weather report. That's good. I so, like it. <laughs> appreciate that, Matt. Thank you. Uh, good luck oh, with all that snow. Oh, my goodness. Okay, should we uh, start answering some questions? We should probably answer some questions. You got a bunch I do. on Patreon. And, yeah. the, and from now on, anyone that posts in that post, I'm going to do 
I'm basically giving them a number, and at the end of the show, I'm going to do a random.org poll, and that's how I'm going to find my winner. Okay. No more. Is that nice a witty guy? question? No. It's just going to be a randomly selected from that from that post. Okay. All right. I'm trying not to read the chat. Okay. <laughs> so Sean Harrison uh, wrote in. He says, "Hey, Mark." Why did you switch from using silicone glue brushes in the past back to bristle glue brushes? So I actually, this took me aback because I had to think of when I ever switched to silicone brushes. Um, there are times throughout the years that I've tried silicone brushes. Uh, Rockler, I think, was one of the first ones mm -hmm. I tried. Since then, Typebond sent me a couple of theirs. And they're okay. We occasionally use them. And sometimes um, they're, I really want something with a finer brush pattern to it, so it's easier to get down into really tight spaces. Um, but I don't think I ever switched to silicone. I, I bought a silicone brush so that I could try it, and in some applications it's really great. But in others, uh, I've, never, I've never stopped using little acid brushes. Um, those are really my favorite glue brush. Um, but you're usually going to get a couple uses out of them and throw them away. In fact, I think when Jason first started working, mm -hmm. he would laugh because of the, um, it's, it's just hypocritical. The things that I waste and throw away, mm -hmm. and then he sees me worried about cleaning my acid brushes and reusing them <laughs> 10 times. It's like, and that's the thing you're going to save money on? <laughs> Five cents? Uh, saving a nickel, baby. Uh, but always the acid brushes, I think, are my favorites. But there are times when I go for those silicone brushes because you reuse them. And if it dries, you just kind of pull. It's actually fun to pull the dry glue off of one of those things. Uh, plus, they have a paddle on the back end, which can be used to kind of like a putty knife, spread the glue in tight places. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, Charles Thompson. Thanks for hanging out with us. This, he's, he's on vacation right now. Hey, so I Charles. I'd give him a quick shout. That's some vacation. Watching, uh, <laughs> watching the woodworking morning show, Nicole. That's what we do over here. Okay, Larry Gray said, sorry if you've addressed this, but in regards to your fenceless miter station, most people who have a fence on their miter station also use that to create a dust hood to help with dust control. Have you done anything to mitigate the dust or, um, or is the dust control in a DeWalt sufficient enough that you don't need to? Okay, so I'm going to catch you up real quick, Larry. I don't have the DeWalt anymore. Um, I switched over, switched back, I should say, to the Festool Capex. And my running excuse for this is I did it for Jay because he does most of my rough cutting and it's more convenient to have the slider and the extra width. Plus, it's the saw that if you're going to use a saw without proper uh, personal protection, a lot of times it's that, let me make one quick cut at the miter saw. So I wanted something with really good dust collection. So the Capex does have good dust collection. There's no need for mods. Uh, previously with the DeWalt though, uh, I was, I, I, sometimes those dust hoods, they take up so much room. They're huge. And you, you like somewhere in the middle of this vast, like gaping maw is your little miter saw. And you have to go through these crazy lengths to contain all that dust. I didn't, I was never going to do that. Um, so I wasn't worried about incorporating a dust hood and tying it into the fence or anything like that. Um, but I still think you should be able to make a dust hood without the fence. They don't have to have anything to do with each other. I think some people just do it maybe because it's a convenient point on which to build off of. So, mm. all right, I got plenty more here. So if you have a question you want to jump in with, go for it. Uh, I have one from Canon Peterson. Thank you for all you do. What is the best way to make the wedge for an exposed tenon and a mortise and tenon joint? I have two wedges per exposed tenon, a tenon slash 16 wedges. Uh, you might come up with a jig. You know, if you have a routing jig or something where you can make a little platform, you set your taper angle that you want, and it could be as simple as popping a little blank in there, maybe rough cutting the blank to size so you don't have to remove a lot of stock. Uh, pop that in there, 
If you really are doing that many of these, this might be worth your while to do it. So get a three quarter inch plywood base, uh, build up a structure that supports the blank at the right angle, maybe get a toggle clamp included. And then now all you gotta do is run those things on a flush trim bit on the router table. Uh, you could also do it with a tapering jig at the table saw. Similar concept, you just want it to be repeatable. And if you're sort of deciding on exactly what angles you want, uh, you can kind of use those things and shim them however needed to get the angle the way you want it. That's how I would do it to try to batch them out. Okay. Another question? Alan Lillich says... Alan! Bit of kickback, actually. He says, my shop has the rubber floors you recommended wall-to-wall. Uh, -wall. Remember how oh, I yeah. said don't put your tools on top of them? Right. His recommendation is to use runners from eighth-inch hardboard. Um, so he basically puts those on the ground and allows the tool to ride oh. on those runners. Mm -hmm. So there's a workaround should you have to move your tools um, and you have this kind of a, even the thick rubber pads, which I mentioned with too much weight, you try to roll something, they just kind of buckle up on you. But mm -hmm. putting it on some kind of solid surface on top of that seems to mitigate that. So cool. That's a great suggestion, Alan. Thank you. Hadamona is in the chat room from Australia. Okay. So it's 2.45 Yeah, it's, it's very late for some people. Woo. You know what 2.45 looks in like too. in this house? So Hadamona and Ness are representing 245 in his house looks like a bunch of people snoring <laughs> Dougie especially yeah Dougie oh my god oh, Dougie. okay I should have grabbed this photo for Chris to put into the feed but I forgot uh, Chris says Chris Kalnassi says a customer wants me to build a set of walnut farmhouse doors in the K style uh, he links it below there are a thousand ways to feed this Dougie <laughs> what would you do I'd consider it <laughs> even breadboarding the ends and thicker pieces in the middle top and bottom okay so Farmhouse door, we're talking vertical slats, right? And you got a piece at the bottom that goes across the grain, piece at the top that goes across the grain, mm. piece in the middle that goes across the grain, yep. and then uh, angled pieces, diagonal pieces that go also kind of crossing the grain, but they create that K shape. Uh, you know, cool look. Hoodoo. Hoodoo. Hoot, what the? <laughs> Sorry. Phone call in the middle so of the show. So unprofessional. I don't usually get phone calls. I don't even put my phone <laughs> on Who calls? Who uses a phone? Was it you? Nice. <laughs> it's an Arizona number, which means they're asking if, they, yeah. if I want to sell the house that yeah, we have down yeah, there yeah. that we no longer have. Um, the hell was I saying? Oh. I don't know. So this is one of those things, Chris, I'd have to give it some thought because these types of doors, you ask me to build them, I'm going to overbuild it. Most of the people who are building farmhouse doors are not going to take into consideration wood movement in the way that I would. Uh, so they might just literally be making planks and then nailing boards, cross grain, and then it's a farmhouse door. So if there's wood movement, cracking, you know, you could even provide yourself a little bit of a gap or construct your panel in such a way that they're half laps. Okay, so if, if you have all your boards lined up, the main vertical boards, make them all half laps so that you can kind of keep a little bit of distance between them. And just like a ship lap back, if they decide to shrink or expand, um, you're never going to ever see a gap. You'll, you might have a little bit of a divot or a groove, but you won't see a gap. So I would start there. Your top and bottom pieces, I mean, maybe breadboards, maybe you're looking at something where they just kind of sit in a groove or it's rabbited in some way, but it's, it's like that kind of door looks like a cross-grain nightmare to me. So solving all of those movement problems, I got a feeling I'm just not the right candidate to build a door like that because mm. that would be a lot more work to truly allow for movement. So um, I would love for anybody in the chat room to give Chris advice. If, if you have a way of doing this that is easier than the, let's say, quote unquote, fine furniture way that you would do this, if there's a smarter way to do it, that isn't simply just nailing the things on there and letting the wood do what it wants to do. 
But I'll fully admit, I would overcomplicate the crap out of that build. It'd do what it do. Okay. Uh, got a super chat from Stanley Bauer. A super duper chat. Hey, Mark and Nicole, happy Friday. How are you liking having Google Home Mini in the shop? What do you use it for? Future plans for it? Do you have the Mini in here? Oh, it's, right, it's behind right behind me. It's looking me. over your shoulder. <laughs> it's looking at you with its giant one eye. <laughs> Put a little googly eye on it. <laughs> the only thing we really use it for, um, I use it in the house for home automation. I turn mm -hmm. off lights, turn on lights. I could turn on and off TVs and raise volume, things like that. In the shop, the only reason it's here is to control music. So we have a Sonos system. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to music on that, but I will tell that to tell the Sonos to do something. Mm. Even then, you know, sometimes these voice things don't work that well. Yeah. We just pull out the app and put the, put the music on. Uh, but it can be nice if you want to get, you know, weather or, you know, things like that. But When you say good morning to it. Yeah, I say good morning. It has a whole routine where it tells me, you know, a little bit of news. What puts the, on smooth Tells jazz. me the Minnesota weather. <laughs> and then when it's done, it puts on smooth jazz. So that's my morning routine. Um, but it's, it's honestly, it's for fun. It's in here for fun. It's not really producing. It's not really something that I would be like, yeah, this, this changed everything in the shop. It's just, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I could also change, uh, if I really wanted to, the Nest thermostats that control the electric heaters, I can control them with that if I wanted to. They're also like two feet away, and I could just go like this. So <laughs> a lot of this stuff is, is kind of silly. The, the steps I go through The kids through to think automate. it's magic. Like... It's great for the kids, especially Mateo, when he's... Who wants to spell something. Well, he'll do levels like in Minecraft yeah. or Mario Maker 2, and he wants to spell a word, and all day long, if he's playing Mom, a game like that... Mom, how do you spell? How do you spell this? How do you spell that? And it's like, dude, just ask, do the same thing. Ask that question, but first say the keywords. You know, get that <laughs> thing, and it will give him the spelling. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. How do you spell but? Uh, all right. <laughs> so Joseph Lapolito, Lapolito, he says he's running project parts over the router table, putting on a roundover. The table was grabbing the work pieces a bit. I was thinking about waxing it to make sure the pieces slide more smoothly, but I was always unsure if this was a good idea. My uncertainty came from the fact that I was using push pads since the parts were quite thin and wasn't sure how less friction would impact control. Do you wax your router table? I absolutely do. Um, I think when it comes to any work surface, you are going to want to keep it slick. And that may sound scary because it's like, oh no, now the piece is going to just fly into the blade. But it's actually the opposite. When you don't have any friction or you have reduced friction, you have complete control of where that piece goes. If you are getting stuck, that's the dangerous situation because you're pushing, you're pushing, everything's fine. Uh oh, now I'm stuck. So what do you do to compensate? You put more pressure. And that increased pressure, if it hits another slick point, now it's going to go into the cutter and you're going to have problems. But if it's really nice and smooth the whole way through, you could get your body behind it, get your hands in position with your push paddles, and just slowly, deliberately move that thing through the bit. Um, hands down, any work surface is better slick, with the exception of your workbench. A lot of times with the workbench, you want things that grip. We're holding things to it. We're not sliding stuff across it. So jointer tables, planer tables, table saw, router table, fences. Any fence on any tool, you probably want to put some wax and keep that nice and slick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got a question here from Worth Effort. Yes, I know that guy. Do you think the shift of hobby woodworkers today subsidizing their craft from selling it to content creation uh, as a result of the generational culture shift or... or just not ever wanting to leave the shop. I'm not sure I read that right. Sean, what are you trying to do, man? <laughs> what kind of question? You know, here's the problem. 
Sean is an educator. Yes, he is. Outside of woodworking, I believe, Sean, you were a teacher, right? Or mm -hmm. are a teacher. Um, he's actually like a legit, educated, trained educator. Yep. And he likes to ask tough questions <laughs> that make me think a lot more teacher. than I want to think. Uh, let me read that again and see if I can get the, the gist. The Do you shift think of, of the hobby. shift of hobby woodworkers subsidizing their craft from selling it to content creation? Oh, oh, he's saying so instead of hobby woodworkers yeah, yeah, yeah. selling their craft, they're doing content. Creation. Hobby woodworkers are shifting to content yes. creation. Um, it's a result of a generational culture shift, or just not ever wanting to leave the shop. Well, I think in both cases, it's an excuse to not leave the shop. Right. right? If you love what you do, whether you're selling your goods or you're producing content. Both are good excuses to stay in the shop, and right. we'll facilitate that. Um, I do think it's probably a you know potentially a cultural generational shift. Yeah, it's like the perfect storm with online digital content and social media. Yeah. and I think it's a couple of things though. I think companies it's, it's convenience, around. it's convenience, it's opportunity, and it's people's in many cases people's natural ability or natural desire um, to want. Affirmation, confirmation, praise. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when we would build things, you know, go back 15 years, the most you could maybe do, you might post it in a forum, a picture mm -hmm. of what you made. Uh, maybe you go to your local woodworkers guild or you, you have a local school or something that you can go and show off your work. Museum is probably one of the highest well, honors you could get. Sure, absolutely. But now we're in a situation where we don't have to ask anyone for permission. We could very easily take our work, put it out there, and yeah, you deal with some crap too, but ultimately you get feedback immediately. I think that's the little dopamine feeder pellet that people go for, and you enjoy, you enjoy getting that reaction, right? And so you do it again, and it's so easy. So I think the whole thing with content production, it's opportunity, I think money is tied into it. Mm -hmm. I think getting praise for your work and immediate feedback and you know, community building, these are all things that make us feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just so easy now that everything you need to produce a uh, video on YouTube is right here, and most people, even children, are running around with the capability read, of doing that. I read that the the top earners were like two kids. Of course they are. <laughs> God. Oh, crazy. Ryan and Matt Cremona. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy. You made him laugh. You made Jay laugh. You made Jay laugh. I enjoy Cremona's yeah. uh, toy videos where he just he opens toys and eats candy and stuff. It's great. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, okay. Ba, ba, ba. John Patton <laughs> says, would you use an Osmo finish for a small furniture project like a footstool or a Moorish chair, I suppose, but the mum requested a footstool, so she gets a footstool. I like to try out new finishes, but the price of a can of Osmo or Rubio is making me worry about going for a too fancy finish for the project uh, or the finish going bad before another project comes along where it would be appropriate. The second part of your question is a legit concern because um, what I'm going to tell you to answer the first part is yeah, absolutely use it on a footstool if you like it and you like the way the finish behaves, what it looks like. But here's the thing, again, tying into that second part of the question, those finishes will last forever in a sense that you don't use very much. On a footstool, you'll barely even put a, a dent in the can. Um, you'll still have a full can of finish when you're done. So the price, you have to consider how many projects you're gonna get out of that versus you know a traditional can of polyurethane or something. Um, that isn't going to last as long because you're putting so much more stuff on the surface. So I think it, you know, they're expensive, but they can be a good bargain because of the coverage you get out of them. Now, how do you make that, you know, make sense for something that might go bad early? Well, I don't know. Build more projects so that you can use it more. Also, consider a product that we've talked about on the show many times, Bloxygen. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. All right, these are oil wax finishes. Exposure to oxygen is what causes them to set up and cure. So when you're done making the footstool, it's, it seems weird to buy a can that feels like it's like almost lighter than air. We've had people tell us that they're, they're empty. They're, their wives have thrown it out. Yeah, they it was you, you pick it up. <laughs> exactly. Someone who doesn't know any better, you pick it up. There's nothing in there. You're like, eh, okay, it's garbage. Um, so take that stuff, put a blast of the bloxygen material in there, cap it off, and that's going to extend the life of that finish. Um, in many cases, I won't say indefinitely, but it's definitely going to make a massive improvement. What? So I'm looking on our Amazon store. They have, what is that? It's uh, a kit. It's like a... I think it's some kind of a I, spout. So oh. I think he has, um, they came up with like, I guess it's like a new invention, but yeah. it's basically like a pour spout for pouring out of a can, I believe. Oh. Interesting. But it's, a, it's just a little kit. Anyway. I'll put it in our uh, Amazon store, amazon.com slash shop yeah. slash The Wood Whisperer under Friday Live. Okay. But I'm a big believer in this stuff. I know it's expensive, but we have a like, we'll get a can of Rubio Pure, right? And it's basically like their one liter size. That could probably do, uh, I mean, it could do a year's worth of projects for us. I mean, depending on how big the projects are. It, stuff just lasts. It goes a long time because you're really just putting it on very, very thin. Uh, Osmo is a very similar type product in that way. Okay, Corey is working on some end grain cutting boards and he says when he's rounding over the edges, he's experiencing a little bit of tear out all along the edge, uh, not consistently. Um, it's varied scraps of walnut, cherry, and maple. Since it's all end grain, are there any tips to help prevent it? A couple things you could do. If it's a light round over, give it a shot climb cutting. Okay, so instead of going on the outside, you're going counterclockwise around this cutting board, go the other way. If it's a light cut, you can still control it. Sometimes the climb cut can give you a better result. Even, you know, we're talking about end grain here, so folks who are, you know, thinking about the, the, where the grain is going, it's all facing up. It's an end grain cutting board. So you have a tendency to have those little pieces just break off as you're uh, doing the round over. Um, if you don't get any better success with that method, I would do it by hand. I know it's kind of crazy. I mean, because you could buy another bit, maybe you get a sharper bit, maybe it'll work better. But the only way that I know to make absolutely sure I'm not gonna get any tear out in that situation is to do it by hand. And sometimes you can speed things up with a block plane and then go to a sanding block and just round it over and finish the round over that way. Um, someone, in, Ken, said, can't you get the same results using canned air? I don't think so, right? No, canned air, I don't believe has a... That's oxygen, uh, right? Well, hold on. I think there are people who do that. It's not just, no, it's, it's not necessarily oxygen. It's, I don't know exactly what the gas formulation in canned air is. The question is, will it displace oxygen and leave inert mm. gases in there? And I think, I remember someone telling me that they have done that. There's also gas that people buy for wine, right? I don't know if it's like oh, CO2 yeah, 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 or yeah, something, yeah. but it, it's, it's another gas that will do something similar. And now the, the more I think about it, I think, yes, I, I take back my initial response. I'm pretty sure canned air can work. How well it works and if it works better than bloxygen, I don't know. But I think the perspective is, I've yeah. already got this. It's in my office. Can right. I use that with my finish? So look into it. Guaranteed you Google it, you're going to find an answer. Yep. Whether it's the right answer. Or not, <laughs> I don't know. Canned, you'll air, find one. canned air is CO2. Okay. So carbon dioxide. Heaven. And I think the uh, bloxygen is argon. Argon. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. My last uh, Patreon question here is a personal question oh, from we, Nick Silva. Should we save it for the after show? Yeah, he's asking about balancing work and hobbies and how that impacts what we do. And uh, we'll answer that in the after show. Okay. 
I, should we do the, yep, the we woodpecker? Shall. We shall do the, the woodpecker. The woodpecker. We're it's, doing uh, the woodpecker. Jason and I were talking about, hey, it's time to, uh, to show off the red pecker tool. Did I just say that? Yes. Yes, I did. It, yes. I sure did. <laughs> okay. So you guys know our friends over at Woodpeckers. All right. Hashtag ad. They sometimes send us tools that we can take a look at. And uh, the idea here is not for me to necessarily tell you you should buy it. It's for me to show you what it does, answer questions about what it does. And then it's up to you to decide if the value yeah. is there. Because this is one of their one-time tools, which is, is a limited production run and you have until January 27th yep. which is next Coming up soon. Yeah, really 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 soon. Okay, so this is their newest one-time tool. It's called Easy Edge. Uh, you know, this this is a 3D printed version. Oh, really? That's what they said. It's it 3D printed. Look 3D. I didn't know that you could 3D print aluminum. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about this stuff. I might I might get a new CNC you know, and I'm like, what is this new technology? You know, Bob from I Like to Make Stuff? Yeah, I've heard of him. He's going to do a session at WorkbenchCon about 3D printing. Is he? You should go to that one. Yeah, that's cool. I'll do that. <laughs> I, I definitely won't. Um, okay, so this thing is actually pretty interesting. You want to think of it like a profiler. Um, you know, we have molding planes in the world of woodworking. A lot of times if you see an old school woodworker uh, with like a bunch of planes on a wall, you kind of usually see the ends um, and a bunch of different profiles and they're just wooden profile planes or, um, oh, I just said what they were. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the idea behind this is it's a very simple, it's a very simple task. We're just edging a sharp corner of a board. So there's little cutters in here. The cutters look kind of like this. Uh, you can get different profiles from uh, different size roundovers to a straight chamfer. Now, you guys know I'm a big fan of the chamfer. That's what I have in here. It's just a straight blade. The, the base on this thing is at a 90 degree angle. And what that allows you to do is get perfect uh, results with no movement like this, right? So you're always going to have, almost like you did it with an actual um, router, you're gonna get a perfect 45 degree chamfer. Okay, same thing with you know, your roundover. You can just kind of sneak up on your final roundover uh, shape that way. You turn this dial, that actually causes the blade to protrude more. You turn it this way, it retracts. Uh, you take all these little screws out and you could change the cutter head on there if you need to. Uh, but I've been playing with it a little bit. It certainly works. Uh, you're gonna have people saying, well, I can do that with my block plane. And yeah, you could certainly chamfer with a block plane. Um, one thing you're gonna have uh, trouble with is consistency. So moving this way or this way might cause your chamfer to look a little bit uneven. Uh, this guy keeps you locked in that 90 degree, actually the, the plane itself is at 45. Keeps you locked in at 45 degrees. And then you can just sneak up on the final uh, depth that you want. And when you do this on all your pieces, now you have like a machine cut style consistency uh, on all surfaces. You do it with a, a hand plane, you, you know, you can get close, but it's not gonna be as perfect as this would be. Uh, let's see, what else? So I, I, I'm not gonna change the blade, I will tell you. It's a little bit of a project to change the cutters on these, they have a video on their website that will show you exactly how mm -hmm. to do that. But you gotta take out all these screws, pop this guy out, put this one in, and you, there's a little compression tool that they use to compress a spring, pop it in, and you're good to go. Um, but again, that, that was, I would not call that a simple procedure to change it, it takes a little bit of time. Um, but it's, you know, it's woodworking. We've got time. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the price, so, did you only get one? Because there's like a four pack or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So I'll explain. Because the four pack's like five hundred bucks. Yeah, let me let me explain. Because that's 
A little confusing. It's a little confusing. Unless you read it, then it's not confusing. <laughs> what? Okay. I need to read? They have four different profiles, four different things like this. I think there are like three different size roundovers and then one for the straight edge for chamfers. Now you can buy them individually where what you get is one of these mm -hmm. with your chosen profile. Okay. okay, that is the $149. Yeah, one, yeah, if you wanted all four profiles and four planes, uh -huh. so you would have so four of these on the so wall, you so you never swap. change the bit. Gotcha. That is the $500 thing, ah. right? So that that's a crazy purchase. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that it's like, it's doing everything, but it's, it. The, people do that's this. That's a mark and, level purchase. That's something I would do. <laughs> People do this in woodworking yeah. when people have a stable, like a Daryl Peart, a Norm Abram, yeah. like people have a stable of routers because it is kind of a pain in the butt to change router bits. So sometimes you find a router on sale, you buy a little bit, you pop that thing in there. That's my dedicated roundover router. It, it's, mm -hmm. That's all it ever does. And if you're a production shop and you're really you know, banging through this stuff, that's the kind of stuff you do. So there may be people out there who want all four of these ready to go at any given time. Yeah. Jason said he wants that. Well, now you know what you're getting for next Christmas. Uh, but you can buy these individually as well. Um, the other cutter heads, if you buy one that comes with one, you can get the other three yeah. individually, and I think they're $24.99. Yeah. Right? So that's the Woodpecker's one-time tool. It's a very interesting invention. It's really cool that I, it's 3D printed. I still say, I read the comments on this stuff, and I don't know, I mean, i got to give Woodpecker's a lot of credit for the patience that they have with people. Um, regardless of what you think about the tool, again, I'm so excited that there are companies out there who are trying stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that there's technology that allows them to whip up a very quick prototype and then put it out in the public and see what happens. Like, I don't know, if it's not, if it's not your thing, that's fine, it's not your thing, but you don't have to like uh, rail on this company for yeah. making products that other people seem to find value in. Like, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Todd, anyway. our friend Todd. Todd, oh, our Todd editor. Said, well, he made me laugh. He goes, pecker me bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice job, Todd. You know what's fun? I think I, I, I don't know how much I mentioned this at some point. With Todd, we'll film a video. takes weeks to get to him um, and weeks to get back to me. But as we're filming, Jason and I will typically drop jokes or we'll say something funny and we're like, ah, oh, that's for you, Todd. And then like a month later, I get the video footage back and Todd returns the joke <laughs> by putting in a little piece of text. And it's this... You, it's, it's like putting a message in a bottle yeah. and it's like a knock-knock joke and it takes four years to happen. <laughs> like four years later, oh, that's hilarious. You're so funny. Oh, hi, William Lutz. Lutz is in the chat. Okay. He says hugs to Nicole and Mark. Hugs. Uh, Tom Tommaso wants to know, is it heavy? It's about as heavy as you would expect a chunk of aluminum of that size to be. Um, mm, it's, I mean, it has some weight to it. It's, like, it's lighter than this smoother. Is it? Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's fairly light. I would put it on par. Well, shoot. Here you go. It's lighter than my um, Veritas <laughs> medium sh um, shoulder plane. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's heavier. But, of course it is because yeah. this, you know, this is aluminum. And it's a lighter weight metal. Aluminum, aluminum, aluminum. Aluminum. I'm sorry. Uh, would you like, so you're done with your Patreon questions. Uh, I'm finished with Patreon. We could just do all live questions I from have, here. I've been gathering them up. G -g 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 gathering. I cultivate them. Got about 10 minutes to go. All right. So we got. We uh, also, by the way, with this new format, we'll be on a little more of a tighter, a tighter schedule. Yeah. Uh, with the first show being about 45 minutes. 
Second show being, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it takes. Uh, Aaron Alda says, how's the steam bending going? 220, 220, 221, whatever it takes. <laughs> steam bending is going all right. It hasn't really gotten it's right very there. far. Uh, this week, I had a couple doctor appointments. I had a couple uh, meetings in the afternoons that just completely destroyed my day. What was that meeting about? I can't talk about it, Nicole. <laughs> you can't talk about I it. I can't discuss it yet. But it's there's something that something cool. Something's that some brewing. Might uh, might appreciate. Might brewing. Uh, so we got to the point where I just finished up a form. So I have a three three layers of MDF making a bending form for the skis of this. Uh, I'm making a kid's pool sled. So the skis will have that little cup up in the middle. That little it better snow, turn. or else we're gonna have to. I'm gonna send them down a grassy hill, whatever it takes. <laughs> no, we're gonna have to go up into the mountains and find some snow. Or, or I'll just uh, put some casters on yeah. the bottom and then roll them down <laughs> the, uh, a, a steep street. So I built the form. I built the steam box. We've got the steam generator. Uh, after we're done here today, we are going to do our first steam attempt. I have boards that have been soaking in water because they're kiln dried. And um, I heard snuggle and red, yes, and snuggle fabric softener. <laughs> I've read that you need to give them a pre-soak if it's kiln dried. Air dried bends the best. Um, so they've been soaking actually way longer than I anticipated letting them soak. So <laughs> it's because everything just took too long. Yeah. So we'll uh, I'll put them up on Instagram. Um, I've got some boards that will be used as tests. We'll see how well it works. And hopefully there won't be any major surprises or What's breakages. What's your Instagram? Instagram is at Wood Whisperer. There you go. Not the Wood not Whisperer. Every, I'm trying to... Wood Whisperer. Keep in mind that to not assume that everybody knows all your stuff. Yeah. Uh, we have a question here from DC Per said. Do you, did you have to reconfigure the miter saw cabinets when you changed your saw out? No. He didn't. Not at all. Um, I am restricted... Only in one way. Um, I believe the miter angle can go maybe like to 60 degrees to one side. I can't hit that 60. I don't think I'm ever going to notice. So uh, within the range that I typically use a miter saw, I've got full motion. That one restriction is the only thing. I did have to change the height, um, but the miter station was designed to accommodate whatever saw you want to use. So my height was totally adjustable, but I lucked out maybe because I didn't do that on purpose. I made mine, I think the opening was 24 inches and guess what the size of the Festool Capex table is? It's about 24 inches. That thing slid in there like a glove. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, somebody, somebody said, uh, let's see, Morgan Nelson, this is relating to, oh, why did that come up? It's coming up on black text. Mm. You can't read it. Uh, he says, uh, not being for the average woodworker. Maybe I'll talk about that in the after show. The I, average woodworker? Yeah, I did a post on my personal oh, Facebook yeah, and, and yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah. about this concept of the average woodworker, this thing that I keep getting thrown at me on YouTube and my war against being average. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're the anti-mere mortals, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. Is that okay to say? That's all right. Okay, maybe we'll talk about that. I don't know, we'll see. Just stick around for the after show if you want to hear me. Talk about stupid stuff. <laughs> you know. Well, you kind of do that here, too. Oh, okay, okay. No, I totally it's, would work. It's all, it's all fair. <clears throat> uh, uh, this is kind of a pers <clears throat> personal question. I got to work on this text, yeah. guys. I'm sorry. It's coming in. Uh, you must have changed <clears throat> the, the, the it, it might be the, it. the text I used for the Patreons. Ah, Patrons. yes. Okay, I'll fix that for next week. Uh, Aaron wants to know how big is my steam chamber. <laughs> I already told him it's the Rockler one. It's that one, right? Yeah, but the, it doesn't tell you. Oh. It's a kit, and you build your steam chamber. Oh, you have to build. It doesn't give you part sizes. Gotcha. Your, your part sizes, or the, the size of the chamber, is dictated so by... So that just makes the steam and shoves it in the chamber. That, so the kit that I got from Rockler is the steam generator right. and a hardware kit with some instructions 
in general for what you want to have in your box, you have to decide how big it is. Mine is about interior, roughly six by six. Maybe the way I constructed it, maybe it's like five by six on the inside. Um, and it's about 50 inches long, 48 to 50 inches long. Um, fairly small. And I think for the size of the steam generator, the size of the parts, that's the one thing I, I'm doing some reading. You don't really want a steam chamber to be huge and your workpiece is to be small. You want to be as efficient as possible and get those things steamed real well without wasting a, a ton of water and taking a bunch of time. So just empty space is just wasted space and area for the steam to cool. Gotcha. <clears throat> I got a super chat here from Frank Fritez. Uh -huh. It says, hey, look, Mark is doing woodworking. I'll pay for that. <laughs> All right. I, I, I can't, Thanks, I won't stop Frank. you. Thanks, Frank. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Uh, and then <laughs> Joe just did a super chat, which um, I'm sorry you had, I mean, thank you for the super chat, but I would have answered your question because he, he said, thanks for answering my question. How do I get to the after show? Is there a link I'm seeing, link somewhere I'm not seeing? Yep. Uh, for the after show, uh, if you are supporting us on Patreon, you just log into Patreon and there's a post and I link to it in the chat um, that will have the embed of the, the video. So it'll be a separate video than to this, but that's where you're going to find it. Yeah. And basically, as soon as I am, buh, 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 sorry, I'm trying to mess with the text. As soon as I finish this video, we mm -hmm. will hit stop and I will then restart a new live stream. That live stream goes to the one that's uh, embedded on Patreon. Yep. Also RSS, if you guys do want this audio, we should have mentioned that earlier, totally yeah. forgot. Uh, we will continue to have our audio feed. The normal show will appear like it always has. Within Patreon, there's another RSS feed that you can use. That one, for people who are the $2 and higher patrons, will include the regular show, plus it will include the after show. Mm -hmm. so in if audio you want, form. In audio form. So if you want both of those in the same feed, you're going to want to use the Patreon feed and not necessarily the public feed that's out on YouTube and any of those uh, directories out there. Got a question here from <clears throat> Brian Tharp. Please, or help, please. Glass panel frame, framed in hard brown maple joined with a cope and stick cutting the remaining back tab out with a rabbit bit is splintering the wood really bad. Is there a better way? Scribe. So it sounds like he's got a groove that the glass is sitting in. Mm -hmm. He wants to turn that groove into a rabbit. So he's trying to remove that little overhanging back piece, which can be very fragile and prone to tear out. And that's kind of one of the things you don't realize, you know, it would have actually been better if you could have just made the whole rabbit in one fell swoop. Um, so you, the thing is, if it's already joined, you really only have choices dealing with like router bits. If these pieces aren't joined, you might be able to come up with an easier way to do this, either at the router table, maybe on the table saw. Um, but let's assume, based on what you said, that these pieces are already together and you just want to remove that back overhang. Um, the key is going to be to scribe. You're going to want to use your router still, but if you take a cutting gauge, something like this, get it cut for the exact dimension where that router bit is going to cut, and run it all the way across. You want to scribe the grain. Uh, even though you're going with the grain, that scribe is going to do wonders for helping you prevent that from chipping out or tearing out. Every time it wants to tear out, it eventually hits the little groove you cut with this thing, and the pieces just fall off at that groove. It's kind of the basis for a lot of what we do with getting clean cuts is by pre-scoring the grain. So that, that's how I would do it. A mm -hmm. uh, question here from Dustin Wade. Was there any change in practices when you uh, brought in employees? Um, I mean, this might be an after show. Uh, it's talking about employees. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, I'm going to put a link in, uh, in the chat for you that 
basically runs down what you need to think about. Uh, my best advice is get an accountant, somebody that specializes in small businesses, and they'll help you out a lot. And we will put that in the after show, and here's the thing, we <laughs> gotta be careful, I don't want people to feel like we're baiting them yeah, yeah, and yeah. taking their, oh, I'll answer that, but yeah. only if you give me two bucks. I don't no. want it to be that way at all. What we're trying to do is keep the main show more focused on straight up woodworking yeah. and then side off topics where I can really flesh them out mm -hmm. a little bit and uh, talk a little bit more about them. Those are gonna be good candidates for the after show. But I'll put the link <clears> of <throat> what I found in the chat for you so you can Because ultimately we want you to get an answer yeah. even if you don't do the Patreon thing. There you go. Um, we, we could definitely get you that answer. All right, uh, Alan Lilich just asked in Super Chat, is the after show recorded? It is. Yeah, it'll be recorded, and again, RSS feed will give you the audio over there, but it will be recorded and posted on Patreon, mm -hmm. and that's it. That's the easiest way for us to manage it. Yeah. And uh, we're actually at the end of the show. We are? Can you believe it? Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy this new way of doing things. It's obviously the show, the core of the show is not any different. Uh, we just kind of change its clothes a yes. little bit. Uh, we have some fun intros. We're going to make sure people who support us on Patreon, uh, not only do we give them a shout out on the show, but the title sequence will always have the new patrons listed there. Um, and honestly, we're doing this because you guys like the show. Yeah. Enough people are listening, watching, uh, and making this a really fun experience for us. So we decided it was time to throw a little bit more love its way, make it a little more substantial, and kind of... Distance it, not distance, that's the wrong word. Mm -hmm. Not make it like a Wood Whisperer side project. Sure, sure, sure. It's its own It's thing. its own entity yeah. that hopefully a lot of people will enjoy. And it has a proper name now. A proper I do name. have one more super chat. Squeeze it in there. All right, Chris Kalnassi, considering... Oh, not for him. No, no, no. no. Oh, should we just... <laughs> not for Chris. Going from a jet... Double dip in, Chris. Jet one. 80, 1836. Yeah, to a 220 or 2550. Any positive to open versus close lower stand? Uh, any reason I should worry about panel width for for full 50 width? What is what is he talking about? Is it a? Are I don't you, know jet numbers. I neither do I. Are is that is that a drum sander? When he, he's talking about the width. I initially thought he was talking about a bandsaw with an open base and a closed base. Right. He's got to be talking about a table saw. Is he? Because he mentioned a full 50 inch width. Mm. It is. No, it's it's oh, a it's, it's drum, drum sander. sander. <laughs> Chris. <clears throat> Those are the numbers that we know. <clears throat> Let me see his question again real quick. Okay, okay, okay. So he's asking about the open base, closed yeah, base. Yeah, yeah. Open versus closed. Any reason you should worry about the panel width at a full 50-inch width. Okay. Oh, yeah. Jet's having a sale until the 27th. Yeah. 10% off. So open and closed... It just depends on what you want to do with it. I've got a closed base on my drum sander, and you know what we do with it? We throw rolls of sandpaper in there and the manual for the, for the uh, drum sander. Um, an open base is kind of nice because you might actually put a little shelf in there, do something different with it, um, but I think that's a personal preference. <clears throat> Functionally speaking, I don't think it's going to make much difference for you. Um, as far as the full 50-inch width, <clears throat> I know people do it, but I'm going to say good luck. I, I have a very hard time getting good results, taking a full width panel, you know, something that's 50 inches wide on a 25 inch drum, one pass this way, turning it, one pass that way, and getting great results. Some people can do it. I, I'm unable to get great results doing that, so I generally only consider my drum sanding capacity to be the drum width or length. Um, so that's just me personally. In theory, and according to sales pitches, you actually should be able to do that with a 50-inch panel. 
Um, you might want to be standing on the outside to give it a little bit of support because it's a lot of meat to hang off. Um, but that's how they're built. They're supposed to be able to do that. But it just, you know, confession in my hands, I can't do it. Doesn't seem to work well for me. Gary Gim just said, is it possible to ask questions in the after show as yeah. well? Yeah. And we encourage it yep. um, because we just have a couple of questions that already came in. We've got a couple of things on our minds that we'll talk about. Um, but as always, the chat is something that guides us through mm -hmm. the conversation. We may dump the things we were going to talk about if your questions kind of take place of it. All right, so thank you everybody for watching. Those of you who are those uh, $2 and higher supporters on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. We will see you in a couple of minutes for the after show. I'm going to go clear my throat and drink some water. That song you put in the front is yeah. stuck in my head. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. It is an earworm kind of song. Uh, all right, so we will catch you next week, and thanks for watching, everybody. Bye. Toodles, my needles.